What do you do when you're facing challenges to remember that God is all there is? How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Are you ready to say yes to spirit? I hope you are. This is Tracy, and Leslie and I host this show every week to encourage you on your spiritual path. Say yes to spirit. Some of you know who, from the very beginning, more than a year ago, when we started the show, we made a commitment to at least once a week say yes to spirit by showing up for this show and simply talking about how saying yes to spirit comes up or shows up in our everyday lives. And so that's what we do. We just show up, we say yes to spirit, and figure out what we're going to do from that point on. And whole showing up, that's the biggest part, isn't it? If you don't show up, you can't do it. Absolutely. It just happens without you. <laughs> true enough, true enough. And so every week we pick a theme, and um, a theme sometimes that seems directly related to spirituality and saying yes to spirit, but just as often the themes are not um, themes that you normally think of as directly related to saying yes to spirit, although somehow it always happens that by the end of the show we are reminded that there is nothing outside of spirit, And so how could we think anything would not be connected to the theme of Say Yes to Spirit? So today's show theme is perfection and um, what that means, how we deal with it, what does saying (laughs) yes to spirit have to do with being perfect, who knows where we'll go. Uh, But before we jump into that, let's uh, connect the dots with last week, which was in the present moment, living in the present moment. You know, as I'm thinking about that, that fits very well, hand in glove kind of thing, because living in the present moment, and we talked about this last week, is perfection. You know, things work out in the present moment. It's when I jump ahead or go back, that's when I get out of the truth of who I am, who everyone is, and that perfect state of living in the present. Was it Eckhart Tolle's uh, book, The Power of Now? Yeah, that was Tolle. the title of Power one of his books, his first book, Power of Now. And uh, I remember in that book somehow it talks about that idea that, you know, ultimately everything is provided for in this second, even if you're in a dramatic, traumatic, awful moment. In the second of that moment, you are able to take action towards changing that moment. And so that makes it a perfect moment. Yeah. And we have homework. We did, didn't we? And I, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you do in yours, Tracy? No one would know that. Another <laughs> opportunity for me to fail. It's okay. I'm glad I came. I'm glad I'm here so you can feel good. It's all, all you. It's people. all perfect. Yes. 
No. So the homework was to um, notice when notice, you're in right. the present moment. And sometimes that means noticing when you're not. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. And uh, and then noticing or choosing to be in the present moment and then noticing how that feels and what's going on with you and how you're behaving and how others are reacting or responding when you're in the present moment. Um, so I really wasn't even thinking about this or the homework yesterday. I was having a really challenging mm. period, 24 hours or 12 hours or whatever. And Bad, but yes, go ahead. Yes, challenging. It was very challenging. I wasn't seeing much opportunity. I was seeing accountability, responsibility, and challenge. Ah. Um, and so my Facebook status post yesterday morning, uh, pretty early, was um, I'm taking today 15 minutes at a time. And ah. that was just the post. And partly I it was I I needed to, you know, kind of claim that for myself and I really didn't have anything else to say on Facebook and I usually post every morning and I, you know, generally try to be inspirational right. and motivating or ask people questions. So anyway, that was my post. Was this before you knew the day was challenging? Or? Well, the day began to be challenging at about 1 a.m. Ah, so you already knew you were in, in the challenge. And state. about 3 a.m. I decided to go to bed because Gosh. it was just getting worse. Oh. And ah. then I woke up at 5.30 a.m. because I had things to do and the challenges were <laughs> continuing to mount on four, three hours sleep. Um, less than three hours sleep, and so by six thirty or seven a.m. when I put that on Facebook, oh, yeah, I had had seven hours. Keeping it right, I had had yeah. So anyway, experiencing so the challenge. My my post was taking the day fifteen minutes at a time, and part of one part of the challenges was I was having some computer challenges, ah. and so. Um, and so I didn't get back on Facebook after I posted that. I never went back to see what people wrote. Oh, uh-huh. So this morning when I went back on Facebook, speaking in the context of our theme last week of being in the present moment, I had three friends who had commented on my post of taking today 15 minutes at a time. The first one uh, said, well, that's a plan. If you need to, take a minute at a time. Yes, I've heard that, right? The second person said, well, I'm on the moment plan. I think too much with a two-minute plan. <laughs> That's good. I like them. And the third person said, 15 minutes is a very long time. Oh, my goodness. I like to take it moment by moment. Oh, my goodness. That's so interesting. Yeah. So when I saw those this morning, I'm like, how is that for reminders to live in the present right. moment? Don't even try to think 15 minutes at a right, time. Right. Just what's in front of you right now? Who is in front of you right now? Right. And be fully there. Uh-huh. And right. the next moment will work out. The next minute will work out. The next hour will work out. And ultimately, that is what I did 
by 12 hours later. I love it. I <laughs> but love it. it took me a little while to get back there. Um, the another the other time that I really, when I look back over the week, and another time that I really was in the present moment was last night. So there's some, there's a person in our spiritual community who has who created a game called the Game of Wholeness. I've heard about that, yes. And and, um, since I don't have her permission, I'm not going to say her name on the air, but um, she created... I'm very likely just to say it, yes. She created a game for a project for our foundations class. Mm -hmm. That's called the Game of Wholeness. And you start, you know, wherever you are in life, you start. And then as you... It's a board game, so as you move around the board, you give up limiting beliefs and you yeah. are you are you acquire fears or limiting beliefs and then you acquire or earn gratitude cards yeah. or affirmations to help yeah. you be more effective in life. And so I realized when I was playing the game of wholeness, I was fully present in the present oh, moment. Right, 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 right. I wasn't thinking about what had happened an hour before. I wasn't thinking about what I was going to do afterwards. I was fully present in the experience for me and the people I was playing with, the three people I was playing with, you know, and what was going on with them and what affirmation would support, you know, whatever they had landed on. And it was beautiful. And that was the... That was the end to my day yesterday. Interesting. And it was so interesting to compare how great it felt when I was playing the game of wholeness mm-hmm. compared to 12 hours earlier at mm-hmm. 7 a.m. when I wrote on Facebook, I'm just taking it a 15 minutes at a time. And not feel, you know, feeling that I needed to do that, mm-hmm. and it was going to be a challenge to do that. Twelve short hours. Yeah, in the course it's of life. It's interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting how quickly things can ebb and flow. Yeah. So that's um, being in the present moment. Anything else about that? It leads to perfection, which we can uh, <laughs> we can easily say that fits nicely into. Uh, a little bit of a break before we come back and talk more about perfection? Absolutely, let's do it. Just say yes to spirit, but anyway. 
encouraging you on your spiritual path. <laughs> very true, very true. You know, uh, thinking about perfection, I have been working with this idea the last couple of weeks that I think I said here on the show for the first time a few weeks ago that brought my mind to it. And the idea is either this is real and it's all real or it's not. And and suddenly for me, for whatever reason, that's become very black and white. That's become very... It is or it's not, and I have to challenge myself in those moments of challenges or opportunities or all those nice words we use when we say things are just screwed up. And, uh, you know, this is either all good or it's it's all not. And somehow I had a couple of uh, experiences that I was going to talk about when I thought about perfection one was a woman that I heard on CNN being interviewed who her son, you know, in their perception has been unjustly jailed, which actually I probably believe more of them now than not. But anyway, he's still in jail. He hasn't been proven that he didn't commit the crime. But, you know, the whole family is just certainly did not commit the crime. And she was sobbing as she was talking, and she was talking about how she prays every day to God and that she... Um, knows God is going to answer her prayer. And in the same breath she said, I don't know why he hasn't answered my prayer yet, but he is going to answer my prayer. And you could feel this rock-solid, absolute, without a doubt, faith that God was going to answer her prayer in the exact moment that God was not answering that prayer. That man was behind bars, you know, and she was having to travel. I think it took her 32 hours to get to him, and she traveled to see him and visit him every week, you know. So it was unbelievable through to hear, and I was even listening on the XM radio, I wasn't even seeing her face, just to hear in her voice the absolute committed, you know, this is going to work out. This is perfectly perfect. It's just horrible right now. I mean, it was a both and. It was Mm -hmm. fabulous. And, And then one night this week I had an experience of getting a, you know, kind of having a melancholy mood. I guess that's a nice way of saying Depressed, sad, downtrodden. You know, but anyway. So I went out on my porch, and I had treated myself with some American spirit cigarettes, which I think are better cigarettes than those evil chemical cigarettes. These are just Indian cigarettes. They're pure tobacco. Does that make Does that make it better? I think it does. But anyway, I'm outside on my little porch, and I turned my little (laughs) porch light off, and so I'm sitting out there, and I'm thinking this concept. Leslie, either this stuff is real and you need to, you know, get it here and now in this melancholy moment, or just forget it. Just give it up. Just stop stop going to church. Stop going to meditation. You know, it would be better just to just forget it. If it's not real, just all this stuff you're doing, you could have so much more free time if you just, you know, one or the other. One or the other. And I was sitting, you know, it's 110 degrees in Dallas if you're not in Dallas right now, but it's been over 100 degrees for days, and it doesn't get 22 days. So it doesn't get cool at night. So it was really warm on that porch. And I realized the slightest little breeze felt like like a, you know, like an Arctic blast. I mean, it was so refreshing. Just the slightest little breeze because of the how incredibly hot it was. And what I kind of, for me, came away with 
from that was, you know, I am focused on the hot, humid day mm-hmm. and my melancholiness and my, you know, can't get off the yeah. couch, have to eat a pie. And my spiritual program is like that slightest little breeze. Yeah. And it still is. I mean, that breeze was there. It's always there. And it's whether or not, you know, I'm still enough or paying attention to it. And so, you know, I mean, this is all stuff we all all talk about all the time. But it's so profound to experience it in that moment of real questioning and real, you know. I was thinking, good Lord, I could have a lot of time on my hands if I just gave all this spiritual stuff up. That's mostly what I do now. I don't have a real job, so mostly what I do is spiritual. Think of all the extra time I could have to sit on the couch and eat pie. Exactly. So, uh, you know, so it was a really, it was a real inspiring moment. And I think, you know, and it was, it was a perfect moment in the present and being totally present in mm-hmm. in that, you know, my son's in jail. I won't be able to see him out of jail, but I still trust and, you know, it's it's horrible and it's hot and my life sucks. But look at that little breeze and look at that spiritual program and look at look at what is real and it is real and it is always, always real. available and present. Right. And I love that um, kind of in my mind the image that comes to mind when you talk about you know the the, the heat and the humidity and the melancholiness feeling you know so big mm-hmm. and that tiny little breeze can capture your full attention right. and bring you right back to the depth of spirit there is no place where God is not you know right. and and that means God is right here right now even in this tiny breeze and if God is here right right here and right now in this tiny breeze then God is everywhere right so why am I tripping about whatever, no money, unhappy clients, you know, car repair? Why Why am I even distracted by all of that, which mm-hmm. is a part of the human experience and feels so like it's commanding so much of my attention? And I think that's the key word for me in terms of feeling. Because mm-hmm. I get that all that, and I always think that's a funny thing too. That's kind of like something I think we use as a, as a, um, you know, another thing that we say. It's part of the human experience. Like it's a, we excuse it, but it is, I suppose. <laughs> but it, you know, my goal is to get beyond the human experience in the human experience. <laughs> but uh, the feeling of having all of the the things going wrong, having that be my feeling of the day. Or having all those things be going wrong, and my feeling is, this is great. My son's just about to get out of jail. God's going to answer my prayer. And, you know, to have my feeling be one of the cool breeze while everything's around me, you know, is falling apart. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, that peace that passes all understanding. Yes. I had a, I've always had that as kind of a desire. And about a year ago, I kind of got a sense of that, that peace that passes all understanding. And then I thought, man, ultimately what I was desiring was some circumstance that would cause it to have to be so horrific that it would be <laughs> amazing to have exactly. peace. Like, look what I was back 
candidly asking for, like they say, don't pray for patience, you know, because what are you praying for? Something that you would have to have patience for, right? So I need to adjust my seed that I'm planting. I don't want peace of passive all understanding. I just want pure joy. Pure joy. Always. Every Always. day. So, um, I have a quote. Let's see if I can find it. As we talk about perfection. So, so far we've mostly been talking about perfection in creation, perfection as a general concept. Yes. But this quote really jumped out at me, which will shift our conversation a ah. bit. Total freedom from error. Oh. Perception. I mean, perfection. Total freedom from error is what none of us will allow to our neighbors. Mm-hmm. However, we may be inclined to flirt a little with such spotless perfection ourselves. Ah, ah. Total freedom from error is what none of us will allow to our neighbors. However, we may be inclined to flirt a little with such spotless perfection ourselves. And so I, that, I think that caught my eye because so often when we say our life is not perfect, mm-hmm. we're really talking about all the other people who are screwing up yes. our lives. Yes. You know, if our parents did, if our mother did something differently, if our spouse or partner didn't do what they, you know, do, if our boss or our client, you know, changed the way they were reacting or responding, then my life would be perfect. Mm -hmm. But it's all you people that I'm trying to interact with that are screwing everything up. Right. And so that the idea of the quote that we have a double standard. Yes. Not you know, one, that we expect it our life to be perfect based on what other people do. But we expect them to be perfect. Mhm. And I thought, wow, when we talk about perfection and spirituality, I mean, you know, what we believe from a spiritual perspective is that God doesn't make any mistakes and so every person has been created. And they are living out their life perfectly the way that they only can live out their lives. Right. So spiritually, you know, that's what we teach until we have to interact with someone. (laughs) Then they're not perfect anymore. And because they're not perfect, my life's not perfect. See, that's an interesting concept that, that... I'm going to try to say it back and see if that's what you were saying in terms of that I'm taking my internal circumstance and blaming the external circumstance. Is that what you're... Well, I'm just taking my, well, the internal circumstance of being happy, mm-hmm. but or just I'm, I'm, I'm blaming whatever's going on in my life with, some, with these other people and the fact that they're not perfect. And they're screwed up and they're screwing up my life too. So that's the external circumstance. Because it's interesting, we, um, I'm doing a five-week series on anger in Dallas County Jail, because the women in the Dallas County Jail. And um, looking at anger, it's a secondary emotion, which means there's always something for it that triggers the anger. And we have drilled it down so finely. It's really curious. This this woman uh, in class last week had this example of she called, she was calling her sister. And, you know, phone calls in jail are a pretty precious thing. 
And so she'd gotten this phone call, and she'd called her sister, and her brother-in-law and her have never gotten along. And he answered the phone. And he, you know, that's called collect. And so she got the prompt, you know, there's a collect call from Dallas County. And he said, this line has been disconnected, and there's nobody here that's ever going to talk to you again, and hung up the phone. And she said in the past she would have gotten so angry at him that she would have, like, you know, maybe even gotten herself in the timeout little pod area, which is very unpleasant. And she said, but in that moment, she we had learned in class, when you're getting angry at someone else, it's because they're triggering some emotion in you. Anger is not what they're triggering. Anger is your reaction. They're triggering, they're touching some other emotion. And if you deal with that emotion, then the anger dissipates because the anger is in reaction to this emotion that you're trying to avoid or not, you know, not, not look at. And so what she, in that second, was able to figure out was it was guilt and shame and embarrassment for all of the behavior that she has done that has caused him to hate her. You know, mm-hmm. her sister loves her because it's her sister. But, right. you know, he's seen her addiction and the different things and the, you know, the toll that's taken on his family. Mm-hmm. And she saw in that moment it was her shame and her embarrassment and her guilt of her own behavior that was bringing up her rage at him. Wow. Isn't that a wow? And so she went and got a friend and just sat and cried and felt bad and, you know, was able to process this feeling of shame and, the, the you know, the, the addiction and how that's, you know, ruined many of her relationships. Wow. She didn't, get, she didn't get mad, right? She didn't get angry, right? Wow. Isn't that awesome? So isn't that interesting to think about, though, that, you know, that external thing that's triggering us, it's triggering something in us. And as long right. as we keep focusing on this thing outside, you know, the thing outside that we're saying isn't perfect, you know, is really triggering something within us that we feel is not perfect. Exactly. And so when we can just focus on the part of me that I feel is not perfect and get back in touch with, okay, maybe my behaviors haven't been perfect and I can emotionally deal with that or behaviorally deal with that, but I am perfect. I mean, that's that next level, I think. Exactly. To say, okay, even though I've treated people badly, I have an addiction, whatever, I still am in a state of perfection. I mean, that's that next level that we'll talk about next week in class. But, um, <laughs> but isn't that interesting? I thought that was an interesting. That's a really powerful example um, on all levels, mm-hmm. um, both from, you know, just for a lesson for all of us to remember that. And then, you know, so often, and you you see it more than probably anybody else I know, because you go into the jail and work with these women every week, week after week. And so to see people who society right. has kind of written off right. and put away, um, to see them continuing to evolve yes. in their own experience yes. is, is so, so fabulous. And that is a reminder that there is nothing that we can do to get outside of the perfection of who we are. Mm-hmm. I mean, in many ways, because these women have been stripped of so much, you know, they are left with kind of a core sense of who they are, and that is, on some level, they, they do in their own time get to that point, usually. Because, you know, we're working with women that are interested in changing their lives, obviously, so these are, you know, they're motivated to, to look at themselves and to 
to not blame their external circumstance on their situation. But they do ultimately get to that point where they're like, you know, I am, and most of them are very Christian in, in their terminology, So, but they, you know, use the, I am a child of God. Jesus died for my sins, and I am pure and whole and loved, and I am forgiven. And so they, you know, they use that language, but it's the same concept of, I am a perfect child. You know, there's nothing I can do to get outside of God's grace. And that is the moment, you know, that they really, in those moments, they start to then rebuild to to try to do something different behaviorally. Yeah. So even when we know that we ourselves individually are a perfect child of God, And we know that's hypothetically true about <laughs> everybody else. We know it says that in the book, that everybody is, right? We may even believe it intellectually, <laughs> right? But I don't know about you, but I can think back over just, you know, this week, let alone my life, and think of all the times when I expected somebody else to be perfect on the human scale versus perfect um, from a perspective, a spiritual perspective. Well, talk about that because that's the scale we measure perfection by is the behavior. She said she called she didn't call. They were supposed to be here at 5 and they're not here until 5.30. Well, you know, I'm never on time. But, you know, so... It, 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 you know, my behavior I can justify, but her behavior I think, oh my God, how could she be so inconsiderate to have me sitting here and not me? You know, so but isn't that the standard that we use with perfection? Is it's all behavioral? None of us are really looking at. Oh, Tracy Brown is God expressing. The I remember Reverend Petra in one of her sermons, something about I don't know where she got the line, but that that. that, that if we all, you know, had some sort of trumpet coming before us that said, Hark, here comes an angel, or Hark, here comes an image of God. Yeah, if we had I some little reveler that. coming in front of us, you know, how would we greet each other differently if we had this little prompt that said, you are about to have an exchange with God? Exactly. How would we then respond differently? Real differently. <laughs> yeah, real differently, yeah. Maybe that will be one of our, maybe that will be our homework assignment. <laughs> I'm not coming anymore. We're going to have homework every week for me to fail. <laughs> to, <sighs> to choose to have another opportunity to, to uh, for a certain for a day. <laughs> say, remind yourself, everybody you mm-hmm. meet actually is God showing up in that form. Yes. God showing up as that person. Pick an easy day. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, only like three people. Pick Sunday. <laughs> That's true. Where the people are usually more on their God cue. You know, isn't that? Yeah, but I think about. It. Yeah, I thought about that for the, a long time after that sermon. In terms of, if people had little rebelers that came in front of them, and um, Hark, here's the Tracy. Yeah, God is Tracy. Mm-hmm. Pay attention. Here's right. God showing up as Leslie. Right. We just had that little voice in your head. Mm-hmm. You know that would make a really interesting meditation. This is a li- this is a little off topic, but the intuition is so strong that it must link in some way. Mm. Um, 
because what just came through real strongly for me was, wouldn't it be really interesting to do a meditation around that? And then even to, like, record a meditation around that mm. and, you know, play it so that you're reminded throughout the day mm. that whoever is coming into your life is God showing up in expressing life in that form. And I think what made me think about recording it, and I was I was definitely picturing myself putting it in the car, so mm-hmm. whenever I was going between appointments, I mm-hmm. would, like, rehear it again. I, um, last week or a couple of weeks ago, got a CD from a group in North, in Virginia or North Carolina that um, recorded driving meditations. Oh, nice. Uh, affirmations, I'm sorry, not meditations, but affirmations to play while you're oh, driving. Oh, even nicer. And because uh, not meditation, if we don't want you meditating, meditating. but affirmations to play while you're driving, and um, and I I guess what's coming to me as I'm sharing it is it actually is related to this idea of perfection because in the car driving is one of the places where we many most of us lose the the concept that there is perfection all around us. Yes, that the other drivers are part of the perfection of life and that our car is, you know, it's our transportation. But, yeah, this week when I found out I needed to replace my back tires, you know, it's like a reminder, please, that this is. So it's one of the places where we lose our sense of perfection. Um but these affirmations are great, and wouldn't it be interesting to make some affirmations around this, around the idea that I am perfect mm-hmm. and also everybody, everybody else, else is perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. And our experience of life, whatever is going on today, is mm-hmm. perfect. And they have those prompts. Apparently I'm missing far too much to CNN on XM Radio because I have yet another example of something that I heard on the radio this young man had a brain injury, and one of the tools that he's using in his recovery is this program because his mind wanders, so he'll get caught up in his own thoughts and he'll forget what he's doing. And they have a program now that you, you put in the car, and it's like a GPS kind of program, but it's this voice, and it has a friendly name. His is named Melissa. And it's interactive, and Melissa will say, Tommy, look ahead. Notice that there's a, an exit coming up on your right. Remember that's where, and it prompts him with like things he'll remember about that exit. So it's mm-hmm. very individual to him. Wow. And it's all designed to bring his mind back to what he's doing, which is driving the car. And he's been practicing it now for a year with other people in the car. And he's just now, this last week, went out on his first solo drive with just Melissa. And he was able to have her. Her whole job is to continuously prompt him back into the present moment, into who you know what he's doing. Wow, that's isn't that interesting? That's great. That's cool. We all need a little Melissa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You are perfect. You are expressing God. The person ahead of you that's slamming on their brakes that you want to kill is an expression of God, Leslie. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> 
It's like, yeah, 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 I want to remember that. I want to remember that <laughs> that person is an expression of God, and that person mm-hmm. is making me slow down because I need to slow down. Yeah, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> I had a sponsor, now and on, tell me that one time she said, Leslie, that person that's cut you off or slowed you down or won't go fast in the fast lane when you're late and you need to get there and you plan on being able to speed, that person is saving you from a wreck or getting a ticket or there's something divinely inspired for that person to have been there in front of you and spoil your little day. And you would never know it because what they avoid, kids, what they helped you avoid right. now hasn't happened. Correct. Okay. Yeah. But like you said, sitting on your porch, back porch, you mm-hmm. on your porch, you have to decide, now do I believe this? Is right. it all real? Right. Or is it just fiction? Am I just making it up? Right, to feel better. Right, right, yeah. right. That's what I was thinking. I just made all this up so I could feel better. We made all this stuff up over the years just to make ourselves feel better. But then, you know, little small breeze, damn little small breeze had to come along. Mm-hmm. All make right. me feel better. Or the fact that we have the ability to make it all up so that we can feel better. <laughs> is, is, you know, it's kind of like a miracle in said. itself. Right, <laughs> absolutely. In anything at all, perfection is finally attained, not when there is no longer anything to add, but when there is no longer anything to take away. When there's no longer anything Perfection is finally attained, not when there is no longer anything to add, but when there is no longer anything to take away. In the perfect moment... Mm. In the moment when we live in the present moment, we're not trying to add anything. We're not trying to lose anything. We simply are fully accepting what is happening right here and right now. And I think, um, I mean, I think the quote... Reminds me of that. And also, when in those moments, like when you're sitting on the porch and you feel the breeze, you're not trying to do anything but accept what is right now. There's nothing to to release. There's right. nothing to to get rid of. Right. It's just <sighs> right. And that's perfection. Right. And I, I, even when I've been moved, think about that in terms of friendships or relationships. Yeah, I'm. Ex- it's perfection. It feels like perfection. That yes, I I see what people might label as faults or weaknesses about that person, but I'm not trying to take it away because I realize that that's what makes that person unique or who they are. Mm-hmm. And I'm also not trying to fix them. They need mm-hmm. to go to school. They need to you know get a better job. They need to do whatever. It's kind of like yeah, it's not about adding and it's not about taking away. It's seeing that they are perfect as they are, even though they're really different from me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yes, and it is It is the definition of perfection in terms of, you know, my definition of perfection is how I see right and wrong, good and bad, blah, blah, blah. And your definition of perfection, how you see right and wrong, good and bad, blah, 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 that can't be perfection because each one of our definitions would be different. 
because I'm coming from my perspective, you're coming from your perspective when we look at it behaviorally. So by definition, perfection has to be the same, right? You can't have a different perfection than I have, right? By 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 definition, perfection has to have its own perfection. It it, it exists. It's really really deep. Go I'm there. Ready to say it. Take a minute. Leslie's going. Take a minute. Deep here. Dive. Will Robinson, but uh, because it perfection just is. Mm-hmm. But what we usually get caught up in is our definition of perfection, which is subjective to my experience. And so, any time that I'm trying to define it based on my experience, I'm not in it because you're not seeing it and, is, and you're not swimming in the right in the real perfection. Right, you're swimming in additional structures or standards that would be that might be perceived differently by different people. Right. Which by definition couldn't be the right thing because perfection is perfection. I think if I think about it, perfection would be a synonym. It would be a quality of God. You probably knew that right away at the beginning of the hour, but I'm just now figuring that out. It would be a quality of God that just is. It's one of those things that just is. Love. Is and when I think of perfection, I get very you know kind of irritable and say, "Ugh, it's un- unattainable." Who wants to talk about perfection? Just another rate I can fail. Let's not talk about that. So when I you know that's a very superficial level of it. When we really get down to it, it is a, a, a synonym of God. Yeah, and, and it's no surprise mm. that we have the human. Yes experience or definition of perfection. Anybody who's been to school in the United States, <laughs> if not <laughs> other places in the world, I mean, you know, from from kindergarten, you're taught, you know, this is what we, the teacher expects you to do, and you better do it because you're going to be graded on it. 100%. And what's the best thing you can get is a perfect score, right. which is 100%, meaning I'm giving you the answers you want to have, right. whether I agree with them or not. Right. Um, you know, and we carry that through our entire lives, you know, at whatever stage we are. What do others expect of us, and we want to do it perfectly. We want to get 100% as you said. And so, yeah, so it's no wonder that it's easy to get schizophrenic about (laughs) perfection as a spiritual quality and state of being and that we would confuse that with or find ourselves in conflict with the spiritual reality of perfection and the human standards of being perfect. And isn't it interesting, I was thinking as you were talking about that test, I got the 100, I look at it, and I can remember this, and this, you know, still happens today. I get the, you know, I get the uh, uh, feedback form on the group I just did, and, you know, I got all fours. Everybody thought I was great. And then what am I doing immediately thinking about next week, and I'll probably get a three. Or, you know, I immediately have to start studying for that test again because, you know, the next test is going to be harder. And, I'm, you know, I'm not as good in math as I am in English. So I'm constantly, when I get that perfect score or that perfect experience in the human realm, I have maybe a 30-second a flash of, oh, I did it. And then I'm immediately on to the next place that I'm doomed to fail and doomed to not get it. 
So versus staying in that spiritual realm, which doesn't change, whether I get a 90 or a 100 or a 40, the spiritual realm of perfection looks at that and goes, oh, isn't that silly? I wonder how that happened. I'm still perfect. I used to have a therapist that would say, she would say, I used to, let's I always tell myself, done pretty me. She said, because, you know, if I did I something that, that. Didn't, you know, did, I didn't do well, I'm mm-hmm. like, pretty me. Like, you know, like an affirmation, you know, affirming that I didn't do well, but I'm pretty and I, you know, it's okay. So it's like kind of affirming the both and. Exactly. And then looking at the 40 and saying, oh, well, that's not who I am. That's not, you know, not attaching myself to that. Very interesting this is. Very, very interesting this is. It's perfect. <laughs> That's what it is. Ernest Holmes said, perfect man is the only man God knows. I like that. Yeah, I, I've used that a couple times in the last week and um you know, perfect man is the only man God knows. It's just so powerful to, you know, to, to mm-hmm. again, do you believe this stuff or not? Is spirituality real or is it not? And the whole idea that even when you are doing things that society has deemed inappropriate, To the extreme, murder, theft, incest, anything. Things that you could go to jail for or get the death penalty for. Right. That in God's eyes, you are living an experience that is the perfect experience for you. Right. And that's really sometimes hard to reconcile. Are you living the experience that's perfect for you, or are you perfect and that experience is running alongside that perfection and that that experience is not you? Well, I, my gut reaction is it's, it's both. I think the reason I think it's the perfect experience for you is because I, you know, I can look in my own life and I haven't done any of those things that, you know, I'm going to get the death penalty (laughs) for. Thank God. Yes. Um, But clearly for this experience and the things I'm, I'm learning and, you know, doing in the world, I didn't need to have that experience. Mm. So if, you know, if, if, it served a purpose. Right. If you know, if something like the woman you talked about in the jails who had that amazing insight at this stage of her life, you know, might very well come to a place of understanding addiction, you know, theft, all of those things that I did that I'm ashamed about or feel guilty for all had to happen so I could finally get to this point where uh. I have a true understanding of myself and love myself now going forward. I get that contrast. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, it was the perfect life for her, the perfect total span of life experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't believe that everybody has to have things happen at that magnitude. Mm -hmm. Like like we say all the time, you know, um, 
don't have to be hit by the cosmic two by four. You know, I could learn from happy things. Yes, there's a chance, there's an opportunity. I could choose joy and uh, learn more, as much or more about life as uh, choosing other things. But it, that it is in God's eyes, in the eyes of spirit, if we look within ourselves and see ourselves from the creator viewpoint, then, okay, it's just a choice. And it's just a choice that I'm choosing this or experiencing this, and right. it all is going to be strung together between the time I am birthed physically and the time I die physically, my body dies. All of that is stringing together a story called my life. Right. And right. it's all good. It's all perfect. Tell me the earnest home quote again. God sees only what? The only man God sees is the perfect man? Yeah, basically. Yeah. So I'm wondering, I don't have any two-legged children, but I wonder if that would be an experience that in, in parenting one would, would experience when their child comes home with an imperfect something and they, the, the, the parent is so in love with that child that they just see the good. Those parents exist somewhere, don't they? There's a parent <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, I've read uh, yeah, they're in books somewhere. But, uh, well, but, you know, I think yeah. that shows up on a lot of different levels. When your child is young and they get a bad grade in school right. or they get, you know, they're really smart but they talk too much in class, the mm -hmm. behavioral stuff, you know as a parent that, your job is to guide this small human being to be able to be effective in society. And so there is a, I, I think that many parents, especially the good parents, <laughs> if there is such a thing yeah, as the a good parent. Yeah. But, you know, I think many parents really get it that I love this child and everything they do cannot be accepted. They need to learn that, you know, you you are living in a society or you are going to a school and there are rules you have to live by in this human form. Mm -hmm. And I don't think most parents really separate it out that I'm not saying spiritually at your spiritual essence you're bad. I'm saying on a human level to operate in this world, here's the, you know, here's the guideline. Here's your roadmap. And I think, you know, that... that that parents do that. Or think about all the stories that we've heard about the different reactions of parents when their child comes out as gay or lesbian. Oh, right. Let alone bisexual or transgender. If we just look at gay and lesbians, you know, that some parents, even if they struggle with that from a judgment or moral or, you know, they're just shocked or whatever, Many parents get to the bottom line is God made you. You're my child. I love you. I didn't expect this. I may not even want this, but you're you are my child, let alone a child of God. And so that essence of you have to be perfect because because you, you were made in the light, spiritual likeness and image of God. Right. 
and other parent and other parents, you know, will just completely never accept that because you're not perfect the way I expect you to be on a human level. I expect you, yeah. Makes me your first example. Makes me think of love the sinner, hate the sin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that is a way of saying, you know, I love the essence. I'm not looking at that behavior that I don't think is very appropriate. And I do think that parenting probably is a bit of a mirror, was designed to be a bit of a mirror to um, having someone that I feel an unconditional love for. And if we can translate that into, um, you know, our other relationships and not just a mother-daughter or father-son, but into our friend relationships that, you know, I have a love for you that transcends anything you might do. And um, <laughs> Are you laughing because you think there's a love you have for me that transcends all the things I do? Is that what you're... I'm laughing because <sighs> as soon as you said that, I remember in playing the game of wholeness last night, um, The there was a... a Square I landed on on the board that said it was a forgiveness square and it said forgive you know you forgive someone from your past and then you get a forgiveness card and so when you land on a square like that then you actually share okay I forgive so and so for you know whatever or or even not whatever but you just so and when you land on these different places. If it says, you know, you affirm what you really want, then you then you make up an affirmation on the spot, and then you get an affirmation card. Oh, so you get when you get, right. And so on this one, it was a forgiveness spot, and it said, um, you forgive someone from your past, and then you, you know, earn your forgiveness card. And, uh, for, and the first person that popped in mind was my, my ex-husband. Uh, uh. For, you know, who we got divorced in wow. 1986. Wow, that's a while ago, John. Yeah, we got divorced in 
for me, there's something about that that you triggered. Now I'm going to have to go back and listen to the show to see what it was that you said about this perfection in our relationship. And does the game end when you're perfectly whole? How does the game end? The game ends when some, well, in theory, the game ends when someone, uh, one of the players, has gotten rid of all of their limiting beliefs and their fears. Wow, my game would never end. And <laughs> I would always lose that. And, which is a great metaphor for mm-hmm. life, that you know you start with a certain number of limiting beliefs and a certain number of fears. And then, of course, as you go around the game, you might get more of them, uh-huh. just like as you go through uh-huh. life, you may get uh-huh. more of them. Right. Um, but there are places along the way where you are able to get rid of them. Lock them yeah. off, yes. So you get rid of all of your limiting beliefs and all of your fears, but you also must, it's not a zero balance, you must have a certain number of affirmations, a certain number of gratitude, yeah. a certain number of, uh, of, you know, of the positive spiritual practices that help you live a life where you experience wholeness and oneness with spirit. It's a really, really fabulous game. And you, if you are listening to the show, you will hear about this game again because it is going to be out on the market and available for you to purchase. And I can, even without talking about this with Leslie in advance, I can say that we, right here on Say Yes, yes to Spirit, yes. will be helping to promote and sell this game because it is amazing. Even though I'll never win it, we should help others. I'm rolling my eyes at you. (laughs) Just really. That's good. How long did you play? Um, hour and a half. That's weird. Kind of like a monopoly. Kind of like a monopoly. Yeah, but much shorter. Yeah. And much more enriching. Right. (laughs) So perfection. We've talked about perfection for a while. We did not speak of any, uh, Spiritual practices that help to lead to perfection. I'm wondering if perfection is one of those that goes throughout all the different spiritual practices. Well, we go with it, as you mentioned earlier, as a quality of God, that God is perfect, whole, and complete, that when you are one with spirit, you are, in essence, perfect, whole, and complete. Um, Then all of your spiritual practices are supporting that. Right. So that's good. So then we don't have to list them off individually. We can simply say, as you do any kind of spiritual practice, you are experiencing the perfection of who we are. And to look at, I really, I'm going to walk away with the idea and looking at, don't think of perfection as a behavioral word for me. Right. But think of perfection as an, an ism within me. It's not how I behave. It's an ism. I like that. Thank you. So we don't have a theme for next week yet, but we will. We will when you tune in. Yes, or check us I'll out online and uh, figure and see what we'll be talking about next show. Um, and absolutely listen to the archives. You're right. Uh, there are all kinds of interesting topics in the past uh, 15, 14 or 15 months that we've been doing Say Yes to Spirit. 
And if you have an idea for a future show, then post that on the show page, and uh, we will get that, and we will just simply put it in the queue for an upcoming show. Joining us at Say Yes to Spirit, and we will we will talk to you again next week. And remember, say, say yes to spirit. spirit. Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.